0: And then later that night i think we were in like new mexico or something like that you know we pulled over at the uh, truck stop i'm just waiting i'm like i guess one of your friends is out here but that's when uh one of the family members starts i guess flashing his headlights to these people that i see from a distance like walking up and down the uh the truck stop parking lot that's when they start coming over and that's when you know he starts having a conversation with them that's when the family member comes back in the truck and says, "Hey, this is so and so. Do what you got to do." And now, just to
1: clarify, yeah, these are prostitutes. I
0: had, I, I had no idea that that was even a thing. I grew up in a Catholic church, got baptized as a baby, did the whole shebang. I did my first communion. I did my confirmation. A lot of this might be foreign, <laughs> you know, concepts. But for those that have any idea of, you know, what the Catholic church is like, you know, we go through these whole ritualistic things to make sure you're saved, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I grew up in a Catholic church, but I grew up in a charismatic Catholic church. That's an even more foreign concept for a lot of people, but a charismatic Catholic church, I mean, kind of as the name implies, yes, they're Catholics. They believe, you know, the Catholic teachings and that theology and everything. But on the flip side, they also believe in getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in uh, speaking in tongues, prophesying, just a whole shebang. So I grew up in that environment thinking that that was normal. It wasn't until way later, once I grew up, that I started realizing, I'm like, this is not all that common, you know, but I'm 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 grateful for being exposed to that culture early on. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are what are your, some of your the best memories in that time with the Lord and, and were you experiencing his presence in that time cuz some people don't, some people do. What was it like with you?
0: I experienced his presence in just seeing how my parents operated. You know how they carried themselves. My parents were on fire for the Lord for as long as I could remember. My dad got saved uh, shortly before I was born. I'm pretty sure my mom has been saved all her life too. Um, so for me, the the thing that left a, a lasting impression on me was just seeing how my parents operated as followers of Jesus, like their faith was real at the end of the day, you know? Like the teachings that they instilled in me and my brother from a young age, those are the things that left a lasting impression. I think to like hone in on one thing that like really resonated with me from a young age is um, they would bring in my brother and I, they would bring my brother and I into the room every single night and we would pray together as a family. And then because we were Catholic, you know, we would do the Our Father and then the Hail Mary and then Dulce Maria. I don't know what it's called in English, but um so we would do one Our Father and then two Virgin Mary prayers and then call it a day. And I remember how lighthearted me and my brother would make it you know, once we finish like the main prayer portion of it, and then we would do the, the Our Father and the Hail Mary and so on, we would try to rush it as fast as possible, you know. Padre Nuestro que esta en el cielo santificado, you know, just try to run through it. And it, would, it would be like a little like game or a race for us. My parents would get annoyed, but, you know, those are like fond memories that I have from a young age. So I think, uh, yeah, to answer your question, it's just it's just that, that upbringing that I had from a young age just seeing how my parents operated and carry themselves. I'm eternally grateful for that.
1: Mm. Now you had a moment where you stepped away from the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot came with that too, just that the whole transition. Can you tell us about that? What happened? And, uh, just lead us into it.
0: Yeah. When I was, when I turned 18, that's when I really started to question a lot of the Catholic church teachings. I just started realizing that not a lot of this makes sense to me. Like, I don't I don't understand why I have to pray to Mary to get to Jesus and then with Jesus get to God. Like it's just it's just a weird concept, you know, when the Bible just says it's so, you know, straightforward that Jesus is a mediator. So, you know, I just started questioning a lot of stuff. And from there I kind of started going to church less and less, not because I was getting disillusioned with God and the church or anything like that, mostly because I wanted to, I guess, find my faith on my own. When I turned 18, like I said, just started trying to find my faith on my own, and that kind of led me to a non-denominational, I guess you could call it charismatic uh, as well, um, Christian church. Uh, not far from where uh, the the Catholic Church I used to go to was. Now here's the thing. I did want to find my faith on my own that that was always there that was always the heart behind you know me leaving and everything but one of the main reasons why I went to that church in particular was because I had a crush on this girl and she invited me to go out to that church. Mm-hmm. The first Sunday that I went was, uh, was the day that the youth pastor, his name is Chris Petrot, the first Sunday that I went to that church was the Sunday that that youth pastor announced that he was going to be leaving and transitioning to another church down in Northern Virginia. But he said that he was going to stick around through the summer before he finally transitioned out. And during that summer, they had these Tuesday night revival gatherings. You know, I showed up to the first one, and I don't know what hit me. Like, like worship was powerful. I experienced worship in a way that I've never experienced worship before. Like, the band was incredible. I mean, they had electric guitars, bass, you know, drums, like the whole shebang. And by the end of the night, everybody was just out on the floor, just... You know, Holy Spirit took over that room in powerful ways. And since that, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You know, like, I want to keep coming back. I don't know how else to describe it other than just saying it was it was powerful. Um, but, yeah. A lot of things happened for you when you turned 18 or around that this time.
1: And as you were sharing with me, you, you mentioned to me that uh, this was also when darkness began to increase in your life. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: I was, you know, fresh out of high school. Need a little bit of money. So what I decided to do was take up a family member's offer and go on a cross country trip with him. He's a mover. He drives eighteen wheelers, you know, works for a moving company and most of his jobs have him drive from the DC area out to like Texas and California and stuff like that. So he's been he's he's asked me for a little while, you know, you should come on a trip, you know, make a little bit of money. I was like, you know what, why not? Let's just do it, you know. I go with that family member and another family member, and everything's fine now, you know. Like it's cool, you know, getting to see, you know, most of the United States, you know, just driving and driving, driving. It was a it was a nice experience. It was a cool experience, you know. But <sighs> being locked in a in a truck with family members for days on end. Was a lot of time to have conversations so that's when they start you know pressing in like oh do you have a girlfriend i guess this should offer context i grew up chubby very low self-esteem and when it came to talking to girls dating all of that just non-existent, you know, I wasn't necessarily picked on in school or anything like that. I just kept a very low profile because of my low self-esteem and lack of self-confidence to the point that I'm pretty sure a lot of my classmates had no idea I even went to that school, you know, that high school. But anyways, that's a little bit of context leading up to the conversations that we had in that uh, in that truck. They were to ask me questions like, have you ever had a girlfriend? You know, uh, have you ever kissed anyone? Have you ever dated anyone? And I'm like, no, you know, and all these questions are really starting to make me feel small. So they're just they're just egging me on, you know, like, oh my God, we gotta do something about that. Like, name one girl that you like, or 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 we should we should we should find a girl for you to like, you know, uh, to to be with, all that kind of stuff. And it starts off innocent enough you know oh it's just family members they're just they're just uh you know trying to trying to push me push me over the edge you know to to gain some uh some self-confidence but it slowly starts evolving into oh man like we should find somebody to uh to to sleep with you so you can lose your virginity and i'm like okay what And I'm thinking like all of this is starting to become very, very weird, very quick. I never really thought it was an issue. Sure, I was a guy and like what I have liked to have been in relationships and stuff like that. Sure, but again, I'm young, I'm 18 years old, you know? And they start essentially proposing like, yo, if we find somebody to, to sleep with you, would you do it? And I'm like, I don't know. And I remember for like a solid, day like 24 hours because it's multiple days that it takes to to get from DC to California I think like three or four days but like a solid day I just kept saying no 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 like I'm good you know like I'm I'm all right you know and eventually because of the 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 jokes and the and them egging me on and me feeling smaller and smaller and smaller I finally give in Here's the thing. I'm as naive as they come. I don't know what they're proposing or anything like that. I'm just thinking, oh, maybe, maybe the younger family member knows somebody that's out here, you know, in California or Texas or something like that. That's cool or down, you know, to do something like that. That's all I'm thinking. And then, you know, that day I said, okay, fine, like, let's do it. And then later that night, I think we were in like, New Mexico, or something like that. Getting ready to call it a day. You know, we pulled over at the uh, truck stop. I'm just waiting. I'm like, I guess one of your friends is out here, but that's when uh, one of the family members starts, I guess, flashing his headlights to these people that I see from a distance, like walking up and down the uh, the truck stop parking lot. That's when they start coming over, and that's when you know he starts having a conversation with them. That's when the family member comes back in the truck and says, hey, this is so-and-so, do what you got to do. And...
1: Now, just to clarify. Yeah. These are prostitutes.
0: Yeah. I had... I had no idea that that was even a thing, you know? Again, I'm young. I don't... I'm not, I'm not all that experienced in the, real, in the real world and everything. But yeah, I lost my uh, virginity to a prostitute because I was coerced by family members just because I was a virgin at 18. Everything happened so fast, you know.
1: Now, immediately after this happens, what were you feeling? I'm talking about you were in this room with this prostitute wherever you are and that moment ends, what's going through your mind in that time?
0: It wasn't shame or guilt immediately after. It was more so a disappointment because I had always known that like losing your virginity should be something special. But afterward, it was so underwhelming and so weird. I just felt kind of gross about it. But not gross because I knew what was happening, When all of this went down, I had no idea that that was a prostitute. I had no idea that that family member had just paid her to do that with me. It wasn't until like a day or two after that I realized I'm like, I don't think they have a friend out here. And then from there it evolves into like, well, what was that? And that's when I start, you know, researching and Googling. That's when it really starts to hit me that like, yo, like that was a prostitute. That was some random woman that they found at a random truck stop in the middle of nowhere, in New Mexico to sleep with me. This is a family member. This is somebody that I grew up with. When that happened, the curiosity starts to like, you know, starts to peak. And I start to think, okay, so if this is out there, maybe this is in my own backyard too. And I start Googling and researching on my own to see what's out there. And again, the reason why I'm checking to see if this is in our own backyard is because the sexual desires just exploded exponentially from that where I felt like I was not necessarily, like, moving towards it out of my own free will, but, like, I was just being pulled into it. Like, I couldn't stop my 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 thoughts and my mind from researching this thing. Because of that curiosity, I find out that it is in my own backyard. And then that's when the temptation starts to, like, sink in. I start playing with fire a little bit. You know, I start... Calling these processes, and then out of fear, I hang up. You know, and it took a while, but that's that's usually how temptation is. You know, you play with fire a little bit, then you feel a little bit more comfortable. You know, and a little bit more comfortable, and then it got to a point where I finally mustered up the courage to call and to 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 meet up with one. That's what really made me feel dirty. You know, that's what really made me feel. Dirty, unworthy, inferior, just as grimy as they come because that was a decision that I made. On that cross-country trip, that was done to me and I couldn't process what was happening because I didn't know what was happening. But between then and my first encounter with a prostitute out of my own free will, that's when it really shifted because now I'm making an active decision to seek this out and I say an active decision the whole time it didn't feel like it because again because of the temptation and that carnal desire I felt like I couldn't stop I felt like I was being pulled into this thing like if it was a magnet or something like that like I couldn't I couldn't stop I would want to stop I would want to put my phone away but the thoughts would just creep back in and I would just pick it back up shortly after that I, I felt sick like like if I had a fever shortly after and like if I was just i don't i don't I don't know it was just something that that just made me feel so incredibly filthy and sick. I told myself I was like i don't wanna I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this I have to stop you know, and the whole time I'm still going to church, I'm still going to uh to these revival gatherings and being plugged into like the youth group and everything. And I'm like, it's gonna stop now. But that first time it happened, it's gonna stop now. And then it happened again mm. and again and again. And I was in bondage. Like I I was literally a slave to it. Like on the one hand, I understand that these are decisions that I'm making, but that's what addiction is, you know, like you don't you don't feel like you have a choice. As much as you know better and as much as you want to stop, you can't, you know, whether it's addiction to drugs, literally anything else in my case, you know, it was, it was these sexual, you know, desires. I felt like I had no, no choice in the matter. I was just being sucked into it. and I couldn't, I couldn't stop.
1: Did you share with anybody
0: what you were going through? No, no, not not for five years, at least, wow,
1: yeah, yeah, so in that time, no church leader, nobody knew your family members. Nobody knew what you were going through. Nope. wow.
0: And again, I'm serving, you know in yeah. church that entire time, and I served because I knew that I was addicted, and I knew that I was that that, that, that I couldn't stop. but I kept serving and being involved with church because, that entire time I kept crying out to God, like, God, like I need you to deliver this, to, 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 to deliver me from this. I want to be close to you so that I can be delivered from this, because this is making me feel so incredibly sick and I feel so low and so filthy that the only place that I could go is closer to you, Lord. In hindsight, yeah, I should not have been in leadership at the time. I could still go to church, you know, be involved, but I shouldn't have been in leadership. But, yeah, it was just a thing that I just kept being involved in while simultaneously being addicted to these sexual desires.
1: Yeah, tell us about that moment of uh, finally, uh, you know, being being vulnerable and sharing what you were going through. And and what did the Lord do in that? Uh, in that process.
0: I was getting tired. I was getting I was getting so fed up because like I said for the better part of 5 years I've been addicted to this thing and just just exposed more and more to this world and the entire time I wanted out I would be involved in church and I would go to 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 these to these revival services and I would get touched in powerful ways you know, uh, and have these, I don't know, spiritual experiences in worship. And every single time I had one of those experiences, I was like, this is it. This is when it's going to stop. You know, I would hear testimonies from other people. You know, I was living in sin and now I'm free and God is good. And I'm like, yes, I want that. Yeah. (laughs) I want that. But it never happened. I would pray and, and be involved in ministry in church. And it never went away. And I'm I'm not dumb, you know, like I'm, I know what the Bible says and I know that I need to confess and involve other people into my life and into my mess to really seek freedom. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to because of the shame and the guilt and I was afraid that I was gonna be judged, that I was gonna be looked down on. And I hated the idea of people thinking of me in that light. You know, this is Jose, the the, the 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 guy addicted to sleeping with prostitutes and the guy addicted to pornography. It's that shame and that guilt that 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 instilled this insane level of fear fear in my heart that they, I didn't want to. That's why it lasted for five years, because I didn't want to involve other people and I didn't want people to know my mess. I wanted to see if I can do this on my own. And the youth group ministry that I was involved in had a retreat. And this entire time, again, yes, I'm serving the church, but I'm serving the church in 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 the worship department. I'm 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 a musician and i would go up there and minister to people through the in uh, the my, my my instrument while simultaneously living that life and i mentioned that just cuz at that retreat i was playing guitar as well it was powerful you know like worship was powerful and i would see all these kids getting just wrecked you know just just being just dealing with their mess and all this kind of stuff, you know, whatever it is that they were dealing with at the time. And because I'm I'm up there playing the guitar, I didn't really have a time to get ministered to. So I was really there to serve, not necessarily receive. And, you know, by the end of like the, I don't know, second, third night or something like that, after just pouring out and pouring out and not really like receiving anything, I, I kind of came to the realization that if I want to see the freedom that I want to see, I have to confess. So I didn't have a crazy radical encounter with God, how I expected it to happen the last five years, where I would get caught up in like the emotions of a worship environment. It didn't happen to me like that. It kind of like this understanding, this peace came over me where it's like, I just had to be real with myself. I have to confess if I want to see the level of freedom that I wanna see. So it didn't happen in a crazy, powerful worship moment. For me, it just happened later that night, just having a heart to heart with a friend. He was telling me about stuff that he was dealing with and I was just sitting there in silence, you know, and he could tell something was wrong. And I I think I sat in silence for like 30 or 40 minutes or something like that. And I finally confessed. And when I confessed for the first time to anyone, it felt like I had this deep knot in my throat. It felt like my stomach sank. The, just this level of fear and anxiety took over me because I didn't know what he was gonna think of me. But I finally, uh, I finally confessed. And I told him that I what I've been dealing with for the past five years of my life, and how dirty, and 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 just disgusting I felt, uh, you know. And he heard me out. He was a good friend. He heard me out. But he, you know, after a while of like listening to me, he leveled with me. He's like, "I'm here for you, and I'm gonna help you as much as I can, but I'm not equipped to help you with this. We need to involve." pastors and other leaders. I knew that was going to happen. You know, me, 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 me finally confessing my sins. I knew that it was just going to be a matter of time before leadership and my pastor found out. And even though I expected it, I still didn't want to. I was afraid. I was afraid of what they were going to think of me. But despite that, I knew that I had to press through and just accept what needed to happen. If it meant that I could find some level of healing from the trauma that I was exposed to and putting myself through for the past five years. So he tells one of the leaders and then that leader tells the the pastor and yeah, I just start confessing everything to them. I was afraid you know i was shaking uncontrollably i don't want to minimize or downplay sin sin is sin at the end of the day but like for me the way that i thought about it was like okay it's one thing if you're addicted to pornography it's a whole other thing if you're addicted to sleeping with prostitutes you know that's a whole other monster and i thought that there was like levels to it you know and this is like a first grade sin and this is like a 12th grade sin or something like that uh what was their response? Compassion. They didn't judge me. I mean, they told me straight out there like, "Okay, we're not going to be able to to solve or fix this or deal with this right here at this retreat, but we're going to have to we're going to have to go through some stuff. We're going to have to go through healing." And despite the fear and the anxiety of finally confessing my sins, one of the one of the other things that I was dreading was Being sat down from the worship team and from ministry and leadership and all of that. At that point, I felt like I started getting some momentum in my skill set that the last thing I wanted to do was go on a sabbatical and stop the progress that I was making. I just felt like it was going to. It was going to hinder my growth. It's so small and insignificant now. A lot of this stuff seems so small and insignificant now, but at the time, like it literally felt like the end of the world. Confessing my sins felt like it was going to be the end of the world, that I was going to be judged and looked down on and treated differently. And it was none of that, you know? All I received from leadership, friends, and my pastor was compassion and a desire to to help me walk through that, you know? Say so after that retreat, that's when I sit down with a pastor, go through everything, and we just started coming up with like a game plan to like help me walk through it.
1: <sighs> so talk to us about that that healing process. Yeah. What did that look like for you? Like you said, uh, it wasn't something that was from uh, night and day, right? Like it was, it was a process, but in short, what did that look like for you? How were you able to then be set free from this bondage that you were experiencing?
0: For me, it was a couple of things. Uh, for me, it was definitely the accountability. And here's the thing about accountability. You can have people know about your mess and the things that you're dealing with. But unless you actively like reach out to them, when you're being tempted with whatever it is you're going through, you're just going to be back in the same place. And there were times where I was kind of towing that line. Even after I confessed, I was still tempted. I was still I still had those sexual desires and I still wanted to 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 do what I could to go back to the thing that was literally destroying me. But it was that thing where it's like, no, like I can't keep doing this. This is why I confessed to all these people in the first place. So for me it was the accountability and just and just being involved in community, confessing my sins, and just reaching out to people when I would start to feel tempted. Essentially coming out from that isolation. If I'm feeling isolated, of course, I'm gonna feel tempted, you know? So instead of doing that, I would actively seek to to, to just hang out with people or, or just to tell people, hey, like, I'm going through it right now. Like, it feels really, really difficult. I need you to pray for me. I need you to. I need you to know what I'm dealing with, so that I don't do something stupid. And it was the encouragement too, because when I confessed, when I confessed my sins, not just to my pastor and that one friend that night, but like slowly but surely afterward, I started bringing people involved into my life, so that they know what I'm dealing with, so that they know how to pray for me. And when I started telling, you know, some of these people in my community, I found out that there was not one, but two other guys dealing with something very, very similar to what I was going through. And I remember, I remember sitting in the car with one of, with one of those friends. I was getting ready to confess what I was going through. And before I was able to, he confessed to me, the mess and stuff that he was dealing with and how very similar it was to what I was dealing with. It was kind of comedic, but I remember just a huge sigh of relief. I was like, oh, thank God. And then he looked at me like I had two heads. He was like, what? Like if like if he was like, I was, I don't know. Celebrating his Celebrating what his he was brokenness. going through. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm like, no, dude, it's not like that. It's like, I was literally about to tell you what I've been dealing with and it's, wow. It's exactly like that. And I'm relieved not because you're going through it, but I'm relieved because all this time I thought that I was the only one going through it or exposed to this, to this world. And then that's when I realized that like, I'm really not alone. Oftentimes, especially back then, I would come to church and believe that everybody had it good. Like they had freedom and they were good. But that's when I realized that, like, people are way more complex than that, you know? And we come to church and be involved in community not because we're perfect, but because we're seeking answers. I mean, that's why I kept going to church the entire time. Rather than running away and being offended at God for putting me through that, I did the opposite. The last thing I wanted to do was remove myself from community and church because I knew that if i'm dealing with this at this capacity and i'm involved in community imagine how much worse i would be if i wasn't Mm. trying to find freedom that's why i kept going to church and then when he when he told me what he was dealing with and how similar it was to my testimony that's when it like clicked i'm like dude like to think that i'm the only one dealing with with this type of addiction or any sort of addiction any sort of sin or temptation it's incredibly narrow-minded and naive too you know that I could be the only one dealing with sin and temptation um and dealing with stuff so anyways it made me feel relieved, and I confessed to him. And then later on, a few months later, I found out that another friend was dealing with something similar as well. And 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 again, all of that was just reassurance. I wasn't celebrating that they were going through what they were going through. I was I was more so relieved that I wasn't alone. I wasn't alone in this, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, now for you also, there was. A, 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 I mean, you're married now. Do you have a you have a child? Yeah. Um, and that's a, a whole testimony on its Ooh. own, but, uh, share with me how your, uh, your now wife, mm-hmm. but in that time she was
0: just a, a, a girl, yeah. right?
1: Tell us about that and how that helped you in your healing process as well.
0: It's so crazy how God works. Like I really think about it, like, especially in my story, like it's so crazy how he works. Like it's so unlike what I thought it was gonna be. So after I confessed and after I allowed myself to have accountability in my life, I was still going through it. I was still very tender, I was still very low. So one of the things that I wanted to do was escape for a little bit, you know? I wanted to just leave the DC area for a bit just to, just to clear my mind. There's a community up in uh, New Jersey it's a house of prayer, a revival center too. And, uh, you know, I hit him up and I'm like, hey, like, I know you guys have your conference coming up at the end of the month. You think I can like hang out up there for like a month? I don't really have anywhere to stay or anything like that. He said it was totally fine. He was going to find a host home for me. I'm excited. You know, it's going to be fun. Just going just gonna to get to hang out in their prayer room for 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 a while, hang out with some friends, call it a day, and then come back at the end of the month when i when i arrive i start to hang out with the community and then we start going to new york city and one of the girls that would hang out with us all the time i started to catch feelings really really fast a few days in i was examining and i was like god What is happening? I'm only going to be here for a month. The last thing I want is for these people to think that I'm coming up here to talk to some girl, to awaken something in her, and for me to, to finish that month and then go back home and then call it a day. The last thing I wanted was for anyone to think I had any ulterior motives or anything like that. But... It's funny because, you know, the feelings that I started to feel for her were, were were real. I liked hanging out with her. I liked talking to her. But I was afraid, you know, like, I had no intention of being up there for more than a month. I was just battling this thing of, like, God, like, what is happening? Like, I kind of like this girl, and I kind of have feelings for her. But I'm literally walking through all of this mess and trying to find healing. Like, I'm literally in the midst of that healing process. And, now, and then this girl comes along that, that I like. And it was just, it was just a whirlwind of emotions. I didn't know what to do, but about two weeks in, I find out she kind of has, you know, feelings for me too. And finally have the talk, like, what are we doing? Like, are we going to do this thing? Not like full-on dating, but just like continuing to talk to, to see if, um to see if we're, would be a good match. And she said that, you know, she, she kind of liked me she kind of had feelings for me too and she was open to just seeing where it led so i was up there for no more than a month and that's all it took for me to to fall for that girl you know i was like this is the one that i want to fight for so we have the talk the month ends i come back and shortly after after that we start dating with the understanding that it's going to be long distance for the foreseeable future but it was a task that we were willing to to take you know and the dating process was easy the long distance was easy it wasn't difficult for us she really helped me you know communicate better plan better and again it was something i wanted to fight for so that's what made it easy but the reason why i mentioned all of this with my wife is because she was an integral part of my healing process in addition to the accountability and uh and 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 just and just sitting under my pastor's wing you know and all of that for me the healing process also came down to me acknowledging that when it comes to sin when it comes to dealing with temptation it's always going to come down to a choice i have a choice to make as as addicted as one may be and as difficult as it is to find freedom from that bondage at the end of the day it does still come down to a choice and me being with that girl made me realize that like i'm fighting for my healing right now for my emotional and spiritual well-being and now i have to deal with another person's feelings too that to me was a good enough reason to You know, fight even harder to ensure that I didn't fall back into the same mess that I was dealing with before. And as much as I wanted to fight for my emotional and spiritual well being, I also had to fight for hers too. Because if I'm dating this girl with the intention to marry her, hopefully, but I'm gonna continue to run back into my mess over here, sure, I'm gonna hurt myself, but I'm gonna destroy her too. So for me, my now wife she was an integral part in that healing because me being with her just made me realize that I can't I can't hurt her as a man like I can't put her through that mess I can't put her through that hurt I can't hurt her so now it's like i mentioned it's it's yes i'm i'm doing this to 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 find healing for myself but now i have to worry about her too and i have to protect her too it was just that acknowledgement that i have to do what i can to make sure that i don't fall back into my old habits you know and that's pretty much it hmm.
1: where are you now with the sexual brokenness how how are you dealing with these things are are you completely free like where are you at with your sexual brokenness
0: it's freedom but it's a daily choice, you know? The freedom came from me realizing the contrast between two types of men in this world. Somebody who who follows Jesus and does his best to follow his teachings and a worldly man to bring it back. I saw the contrast between, between two types of men. Somebody like my father, who's a man of God, faithfully married to to my mom for 30 plus years, always doing the best that he could to provide for his family and everything. I saw the way that he operated and then I saw the way that that family member operated where he couldn't fathom the idea that an 18 year old kid had never been in a relationship or kissed a girl or been with a girl or anything like that. I saw the contrast between two types of men. So for me, from the moment that I confessed my sins and started walking through that, it's always come down to that choice. What kind of man do I wanna be? I love my wife, but love, it's not just a feeling, it's a choice. I have to choose to sacrifice for her to protect her. I have to look out for my my child, you know? I have to, I have to choose on a daily basis to be the type of man that will protect and fight for his family, you know? And it's become easier as time has gone on just because it's not as tender uh, or the pain isn't as tender as it used to be, but now it's like, you know, with age and maturity, it becomes a little easier. Um, I'm not saying that every single day has been perfect or anything like that. There have been times where I've wanted to like slip back into my old my old habits and everything, but it's, again, the thing that like really keeps me grounded um, is the understanding that it's not about me anymore. You know, I have to protect, I have to protect my wife, I have to protect my child. And I'm not saying that you need to get married to find freedom or anything like that. I'm just saying that that, that's my story. Like, yes, first and foremost, I have to fight for my freedom, for my own spiritual and well-being. And that's what I was doing. But on the flip side, I also have to protect my wife and my child along the way too. You know, so for me, it always comes down to that choice at the end of the day, like what kind of man do I want to be? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Jose, who is Jesus to you? He's the one that fights for me. He's the one that has never turned his back on me. The one that will never turn his back on me. The one that did everything that he could to ensure that I could find freedom in my life. So that I could live according to his standards. I think about one of the main things that really helped me, uh, in my walk and in my faith was this scripture. I think it's John chapter six, verse sixty-eight, where Jesus, uh, you know, he's preaching about eating his body and drinking his blood and that 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 sermon and that preaching was foreign to so many of his followers at the time. They just couldn't they couldn't comprehend it. They couldn't understand like what he was saying uh, or anything like that. That a bunch of them became offended. They became offended and left. They left. They stopped following Jesus and all that. And it's it's so funny because if you read the scripture, Jesus almost acts unsurprised that, that, that it happened. And then he turns over to his 12 disciples and he's like, are you guys going to go too? And then Peter responds, Lord, where else would we go? Like, I don't, there's nothing else out there for us. You you have, you offer everlasting, everlasting life. And it's that one scripture that's, that's really resonated in my heart for most of my life, because throughout my, 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 my story, my history, I couldn't comprehend why I didn't find freedom those first five years. You know, I couldn't understand why in the midst of my healing process God would introduce me to my now wife. I didn't understand why it happened the way that it happened, but all I knew was I have nowhere else to go. Jesus is my everything. He's the only one that fought for me, that continues to fight for me. And that's a standard I want to live to, you know. That's a standard I wanna I want to live up to. It's the way that Jesus operated. He's everything. Mm. Yeah.
1: Jose, for anybody who's who's watching right now, who's gone through what you've gone through, you know, from that moment of 18 uh, to 23, 24, where you weren't sharing with anybody what you know you were going through. Nobody knew. What can you tell that person that's dealing with that or knows? potentially even someone who may be dealing with that.
0: Yeah. Don't prolong the process. Don't drag it longer than it needs to be, you know, you need to confess and you need to open yourself up and become vulnerable and seek that accountability. If you want to find the freedom that you want to find, I understand that there are some people that find freedom. They have a radical encounter with God and that's it. But for me, my story, that wasn't it. I sought after God on a daily basis. God set me free, God set me free, and it, and it didn't happen. And it's because I was lying to myself, thinking that I could just do this on my own and, 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 and break free from that bondage on my own. I do believe that God is powerful enough to set people free. But I feel like my story and those that are dealing with something similar to me, our stories are different. God wants us to realize that yes he is sufficient but that's why we have community and that's why we have church in the first place is so that we can open up our open open ourselves up to our community and our church so that they know how to actively pray for us so that they know how to fight for you if it wasn't for the people in my life you know actively praying for me and and the rest of the stuff that I went through like I don't And if I was still trying to do it on my own, I don't know what, I don't know where I would be right now, but it's, it's, it's coming to terms that like, yes, it's scary to confess what you're dealing with. And it's scary to bring people into that, into that fold because you're afraid of how they're going to judge you. It's so small. That's so small compared to the freedom that you can actually achieve. You know, it's so much more worth it to confess and live a life. Where you could be free from the bondage that you're suffering. I would just say confess. Tell people what you're dealing with. It's not worth it. You don't have to carry it. You don't have to carry it. Yeah. Yeah. Jose, any last words? Just trust God. I know it can get exhausting. I know that I know that that it can become frustrating that you're dealing with the the, 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 the sin and and, and 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 the temptation that you're dealing with but one of the things that's helped me in my walk with the Lord was just never getting offended at him. I wanted to don't get me wrong I wanted to be offended at him multiple times. Why aren't you setting me free? Why aren't you doing this for me? but I had to trust the process and understand that. He is fighting for me. It's just going to look different than what I thought. So what I would say is, like, please don't get offended at him. Please don't give up on the Lord. Please don't give up on your church community. Those are the ones that are going to fight for you way more than the world is going to, you know, than, than the world will. The enemy is just out to kill, uh, to steal, kill, and destroy. And if I'm not pursuing the presence of God in my life, and if I'm not pursuing community in my life, what's the alternative to what the world has to offer you know so for me the choice has always been easy i can't i can't afford to be offended with the lord i can't afford to walk away from the lord but that's my testimony and i know that not everyone thinks that way and i know that some people are are offended with the lord because of what's happened in their life but the thing that's got me grounded in my faith is knowing that there's nothing else there's nothing else out there for me it's like what peter said Where else would I go? Yeah.